I challenge you to a duel. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Movie Jewel podcast. My name is Peter and I'm your host. Each episode of the Movie Jewel podcast, we select a subject based around movies and then myself and my co-host pick a film that we think best fits that subject. The only rule is that we can't pick a film that has already been discussed on the podcast. This episode, I am joined once again by Tarquin Mandrake and we will be discussing our choices for the best outlaw biker movie. But before we get into that discussion, just a few pointers about how you can get in touch with us here at Movie Jewel Podcast. Uh, first of all, through our Facebook page, we would encourage you to uh, like and subscribe. Uh, keep you posted on upcoming episodes and upcoming selections. Uh, that can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash Movie Jewel Podcast. We are also on Twitter at Movie Jewel Pod. We also post on there the selection notices and the polls after the episodes have been launched uh, so you can vote and pick uh, which uh, choice you agree with. You can also email us at moviesyourpodcast at gmail.com. Any suggestions, feedback, uh, ideas for episodes uh, are more than welcome uh, or just if you want to say hello and get in touch with us. And of course, being on Twitter, it's allowed us to connect uh, with some other movie podcasts from around the world, uh, one of those being Film Busters. Are you troubled by the dominance of the Marvel and DC cinematic universes? Do you experience feelings of dread and dreamscapes while watching the latest David Lynch offerings? Have you or your family seen anything better than Whiplash? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Open your podcast catcher and subscribe to The Professionals. Film Busters. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your cinematic needs. Oh, come on. You got? How can it not? That was so interesting. I didn't care for shit. It's one of the worst I've seen this year. Did you say you shed a tear? Yeah. Oh, victory, victory. Oh, sweet victory. Wow. At the very end. That ended. Yes. I was actually handing an olive branch, but then you could not accept it. Bullshit. I'm sorry. It's a, it's an empty shell of a film. This film, I can't see anyone who'd enjoy it. I don't even know who it's for. I think it's probably even meant to be for us. Well, that's fucking cinema, man. Film busters. We're ready to enlighten you. I would definitely recommend checking out this podcast. Um, it's hosted by three friends, Ben, Paul and Adam. And they're dressed up as Ghostbusters. What more do you need? And also, before we get into the episode, there is a slight trigger warning for one of the films that we will be discussing. Uh, Psychomania does deal with um, issues surrounding suicide. So I thought best to mention at the top of the episode, if you've not read the, uh, the show notes, um, then there is a fair warning there for you. And also, for the first time in 11 episodes here on the Movie Jewel podcast... We do not have an X-Files connection in this episode. I searched high and low uh, for even a secondary connection um, and could find nothing. Um, obviously, a British film from the 70s and a, a late 70s Australian film um, didn't herald uh, much in the way of connections, uh, certainly to the X-Files. So there we go. It's our first blip, but I'm sure we'll have more of them on uh, the next episode. 
So without further ado, it's time for us to strap on our leathers, rev our engines and head on over to the main discussion. Okay, let's run. Okay, so welcome back to the Movie Joe podcast, Tarquin. Watch out. How are we doing? Okay. <laughs> it's a hot bank holiday. <laughs> There's that to look forward to, I suppose. Yeah, not not for me. I work in retail, so it's just a just means a very busy day. <laughs> um, so, what have you been up to? Anything interesting? Um, no, nothing whatsoever. Just um, working, suffering. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what about? Uh, have you been watching anything? Anything new? Anything interesting? I saw Evil Dead Rise. That was pretty amazing. Yeah, I would see that. I wasn't as as bowled over as a lot of people, but I'm not. I'm, I can give or take with Evil Dead sometimes. Sometimes I really love it, and um, on a on a rewatch, I think, what did, you know, what's all the fuss about? But I did enjoy it. I thought it was really good, uh, uh, a really good film. Really it was intense. Some good gnarly violence. You know, some nice horror. Yeah. Um I like the possession sequences. Um, I like the cheese grater and the light bulb to the throat. <laughs> um, I thought the mum was pretty weird to begin with, um, so there wasn't like that much of a... Like, she was great when yeah. she became possessed, but I didn't really buy her as a human being. Yeah, I know what you mean, I know what you mean. I mean, I had a, I had a couple of um, uh, new watches for me. One was quite a new one, which was The, the Pope's Exorcist. Um, I thought I'd give that a go. Oh, uh, Russell Crowe. was nowhere near as terrible as I thought it was going to be. I, it was actually quite passable. <laughs> it was... Um, even if uh, Russell Crowe's got a very dodgy Italian accent, it was it was it's worth a look. Put it that way. It's not it's not the bag of poop that the uh, trailer made it out to be. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one was uh, it was the first time viewing for me a classic film uh, in the in the heat of the night because it's just dropped on oh, okay. uh, Amazon Prime, uh, which I really enjoyed. I thought, well, I think the, the story's a little bit flat, especially towards the end, but. Performance-wise, you know Sidney Poitier and uh, and Rod Steiger is pretty yeah. uh, pretty faultless, really. They call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> There's some classics in that, definitely. Is uh, that the one where he forces his kid to smoke lots of cigarettes? No, no, I don't know what that is. Okay, I think that's probably the sequel then. Yeah. No, I'd say I, did, I knew there were sequels, but I'm going to have to look them out because uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. So um, last time you were here, we took we were talking Ron Howard. Um, Night Shift and, and, and Willow uh, How did you find your first uh, podcast experience Tarquin? Um, intimidating But <laughs> I got through it somehow I'm, I'm just glad I won You know, That's the main thing Of course, yeah yeah. <laughs> Obviously the the rules of the Movie Drill podcast Is that uh, uh, We take it in turns to, to pick a subject It was your turn to pick The subject for this episode uh, So uh, tell the good people What did you, what did you choose? Outlaw Bikers Best Outlaw Biker movie. Okay. And was there a particular reason for that? Um, just uh, uh, always been fascinated by them since um, I saw the Fulham Road Rats uh, going down the road on the choppers when I was about seven um, in the King's mm. Road. And, um, you know, you read about them in the fabulous Fairy Freak Brothers and then Hunter S. Thompson. And, um, yeah, I always had a fascination with them. Well, not okay. wanting to be one or ride a motorbike, you know, just uh, always <laughs> been interested. I you know I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with bikes. I got rover by one when I was twenty, and broke my leg and smashed my head up. Ah, but yeah, uh, do it, yeah. 
but they are pretty cool. That's, I'll give them that. <laughs> I think there is there there is a fascination to be had. I think with those kind of gangs and you know obviously things like um, Sons of Anarchy quite recently have have, have have put those sort of biker gangs uh, into the into the mainstream a bit. I suppose. Yeah. Any anyone who kind of um, just defies society and you know sets up a mutual um, aid society and um, looks after their own recognises yeah. no authority, you know, there's, there's a dignity in that. Well, I think they're always, you know, biker gangs are always seen as, as you know, sort of these ultra-violent thugs and this code of honour and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I, I've known people who, who are hell's angels or friends of friends and, you know, they're some of the nicest people you'll meet. Um, I suppose, you know, as, as time has gone on with them, I suppose it's everything's maybe a little bit more watered down these days with them. But, you know, you hear a lot of stories. I mean, it's the like the uh, was it the Rolling Stones gig where they, Ultimate, you know, they yeah. were they were the uh, the security for the gig and uh, somebody ended up getting stabbed, I think, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, um, I've always heard one version of that story, which was that the Hell's Angels were completely out of control and. Um, threatening the audience and, and stab the guy but if you read um, the Sonny Barger um, autobiography mm. then um, the way they tell it is that they were saving uh, Mick Jagger's life and um, the guy rushed the stage with a gun so yeah. I'm not saying either is correct but there's, there is another version to the story yeah yeah and I think my other experience I think I, I sent it, the link to you um, a documentary from I think 1984 called the uh called the called the outcasts yeah. uh, which was i think a bbc documentary and if anybody listening hasn't seen it it is on youtube you can get it for free it's probably the one of the most unintentionally funny documentaries you'll ever see i think um again maybe that's the the passage of time that just makes it look ridiculous but it's just yeah i mean they, they, these guys those guys sort of think that they're you know the baddest people on the planet and the first 10 minutes they're sort of pushing people pushing each other down hills and uh, one of their groupies I suppose is drinking beer out of a ginger biker's belly button <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, the height of um, the height of decadence especially when it comes to biker gangs um, yeah so chucking like, their poor prospects into the fire undressed and you know <laughs> boasting about that <laughs> I've, I just thought, poor buggers, you know. I mean, it looked like mm. a really grim existence, you know, running a burger van, <laughs> scraping by on pennies. There was the guy, the guy who makes all the leathers, the leather stuff for them, and he got the, he tells the story how he basically got started because he found a bit of leather in a bin or something, and then just started to read books about making stuff out of leather, which is just crazy. There we go. Rooting through bins, you know, can change your life, I suppose. They look good. Given that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, with it being your choice of subject, uh, it uh, fell to me to to have first sort of pick. And to be completely honest, I, I'd struggled at, at the start to to think of a, a film or a film that I enjoyed that had a, a a biker gang in it. So I had to sort of do a bit of research and uh, you know looking at some uh, lists of uh, films that have got biker gangs in them. There still wasn't a lot, and finally I scrolled to uh, my choice, and thought, "Yep, yeah, that's uh, definitely it. It's my only choice." Uh, the only consideration I had, which was Mad Max from 1979.
Tomorrow, in a world gone mad. <laughs> the only law will be a renegade squad of suicidal cops. He's my prisoner, and he's not walking out that door. And the open road will be controlled by gangs of glory roaders. Max is a cop, one of the best. Where does they're out to get you? Scoot jockeys? Yeah, no man trash. Mm. Well, I'll add it to my thread collection. Toe Cutter is a glory roader, one of the most sadistic. Anything I say, anything you say, what a wonderful philosophy you have. Take him away. But only one can have his way. Mad Max. You don't want to make Max mad. Because when Max gets mad, he gets even. American International presents Mad Max, the maximum force of the future. So, directed by George Miller, starring Mel Gibson, Joanne Samuel, Hugh Keys Byrne, Steve Bisley, Tim Burns, and Roger Ward. Uh, synopsis for Mad Max is in a self destructing world, a vengeful Australian policeman sets out to stop a violent motorcycle gang. Uh, so as I said, you know this this was the only choice for me after after doing a bit of research. Um, I would even say it's it's out of the four Mad Max films, it's the best one. I think a lot of people um, will cite probably <laughs> too, Road Warrior. Too rude road warrior yeah. <laughs> but for me, this is this is the one. Um, I think it's it's really testament to to George Miller of a, a budget of what three. Three hundred to four hundred thousand Australian dollars, and yet you know there are parts of it that maybe look a little bit slapdash, but on the whole, I think it's just a, a great example of almost guerrilla filmmaking. I suppose mm. it just looks incredible. I mean, you can't, apart from some of the hairstyles and maybe a little bit of the, the you know, some of the outfitting. Um, it's it's pretty timeless, I think. Um, he set the world on fire with it. I mean, it was the most successful film until um, Blair's Witch Project, like twenty years later. Yeah, well, that's it. So you know, over a hundred million at the yeah. at the box office. Um, so it's it's certainly not too shabby in terms of uh, you know clawing its money back. Um, I think he just showed the world how to edit. You know, like he moved the conversation on when it came to cinema. Was, yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, you know? You know, and and a lot of the the action sequences, the stunt sequences, are pretty pretty seamless. And like you say, you know, I think that's uh, that comes down to to really clever, really clever editing. It's maybe not enough action sequences, like, but that's that's the budget talking, isn't it? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But I think this, you know, this this one out of you know maybe a little bit more than the Road Warrior has got a bit more story to keep it going. Uh, in between, it's got a bit more development. More, more character-driven stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got this. I, what I really love about the Mad Max films is that the, it's, you know, it's it's this unclarified sort of post post apocalyptic future. There's nothing. You know, they don't tell you this has happened, that's happened. 
you know it's just sort of the secondary to the story i think you get a little bit of possible sort of story i think it's in thunder beyond the thunderdome i think at the start they talk a little bit about and i think the kids talk about um what possibly happened but it's still quite um you know ambiguous but it's almost it's like a wild west film this it's it's the law against the outlaws yeah, bad men um, ride into town yeah exactly exactly you know the police aren't the police are not not respected um they're not um seen as as an authority they're just seen as 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 being almost sort of almost as thuggish as, as some of the bad guys i suppose you know it's there's there's not much law there mm. but obviously this this subject is is based around uh, outlaw outlaw biker gangs um so and we have a doozy we'll, we have a doozy with the toy the toe cutter oh and the night rider i mean you know and they're, they're, yeah they're just like this sort of ragtag band of misfits you know they're all um just not right in the head obviously i think there's allusion to sort of drugs and drug taking um but nothing sort of necessarily shown on 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 screen most of the of the, the actual bikers were a real gang called the the vigilantes and there's a there's a, a line in uh, in the film where uh, goose is talking to uh, this biker with this sort of sidecar really weird sort of chopper with a a bubble hooded kind of sidecar uh, and says uh, take that it's a get out of jail free card and that was actually something that the real you know the real biker gang that we used as the extras for the uh, for this sort of nomad gang were, were given to say you know we're part of a um uh, you know uh, we're part of a film uh, so this is why we're doing this kind of thing mm-hmm. um to give them sort of free reign and they were also yeah yeah and they were also uh, paid in beer as well which obviously kept the budget down um but yeah the top of the list for the biker gang hugh keysburn as the toe cutter fantastic yeah poor bastard the night rider that is his name the night rider the night rider remember him when you look at the night sky i will take your hat off anything you say anything I say, what a wonderful philosophy you have. Take him away. Just immense, absolutely immense. I mean, obviously, he made another appearance in Fury Road as Immortan Joe, is it, I think? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's. I think he's easily the best thing in the film. Easily the best thing in the film. Yeah, he brings that Shakespearean uh, gravitas. And just, yeah, just yeah, and he sort of... He sort of changes his accent every scene he's got a different accent he's got sort of a cockney accent in one he's got this sort of upper class accent in another and then he sort of goes into a little bit of you know his his native australian at points as well um and apparently that was a, that was obviously a conscious uh, uh choice to to make him seem completely insane uh, and it works massively apparently he based he based his his performance on temujin as well who's 
Geng, you know, obviously the, the real name of Genghis Khan. Uh, <laughs> this, you know, this point where he's sat, this, the bit where he's sat on the beach and he's almost like the the Virgin Mary sat with his. Mm-hmm. He's got this sort of sheet over his over his head um, and baptizes Johnny the boy for, you know, is it messing up or is it after he's killed Goose? I can't remember. No, it's before, isn't it? Um, but yeah. For being flashed with a shotgun and um, shooting a dummy. I've got. Get out of there. Candelini, put her against the post. We have a problem here. She is not what she seems. Baba Zanetti has it on good authority. She's sent by the bronze, full of treachery. Yeah, yeah. Which was meant to be the job of his consigliere. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's just, you know, every scene he's in, he just completely steals. Yeah. Even when he's got this weird sort of top knot and he's hissing at the camera. Uh, <laughs> you know, he talks about... Uh, I think it's towards the end about Jess. Should, should you, Jesse, Jesse, you've not got a sense of humour. Pretty face though. Awful pretty. Awful pretty. I suppose you don't need a sense of humour with a pretty face. The only trouble is though, Missy, if you should. Please don't hurt my baby. God, nothing. It, it, it can creep, you know, he creeps you out as much as uh, he's, he's sort of off the wall. Um, and this sort of false outrage at, um, at May when she's got the shotgun. Right there! Ah! Ah, I hate guns! <laughs> you know, when he gets yeah, kicked in the nuts and an ice cream to the face and he takes it like he's just been shot with that shotgun. But he's just, he's the whole driving force of this film, I think. Every, most of the other performances, especially on the sort of police side of things, are reasonably standard. I don't think there's anything you can say is is out of this world, but, yeah, that, yeah he's just incredible. I mean, a close second, to be fair, I think is Tim Burns as, as Johnny the Boy, because you really do hate him. He just pulls off this little prick. Yeah, Unbelievable. He reminded me of um, the Gemini killer in um, and Dirty Harry. Mm. Yeah, yes. Kind of yeah, I can see what you mean. And, you know, just this evil, insidious manner. Yeah, he's just, yeah. He's almost sort of, you get the impression that he's maybe a bit entitled. He's, he's maybe come from maybe a rich family or something like that. He seems very, you know, very much, uh, very, very arrogant. And, and one of my favourite lines, which is the. Uh, See you later, Goose. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> I need to work this out. Right, the the cropped hair, blonde hair, Bruno, maybe. Hang on, let me check it. Bubba Zanetti. Yeah, Bubba. He definitely resents him. Like he doesn't want to go back and rescue him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's the sort of he's the sort of serious sort of fixer of the group, isn't he? He's the one who has to sort of go back and sort sort all the shit out, basically. Yeah, he's, he's the brain. Yeah. Johnny, the boy has done it again. This time it's a scrubber. He's never gonna learn. But 
We are going to teach him, Baba. You are going back for him. No way. Not me, not for him. But it's not for him. It's for me, Baba. <laughs> Your time, the sky goes right. He's nothing like a knife rider. Yeah, um, you know he's got this, this sort of icy, icy look to him, and you know the bit where they, uh, you know, set fire to to goose. I think it is, and he's just casually biting a fly away from himself. You know, he gets he maybe doesn't. I, I, I'd like to have seen a little bit more from him, I think. I think he's got quite a... Yeah, he's interesting, in- chilling, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's got a relationship with um, the boss, but he doesn't respect anybody else, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you've got just a short mention to Kundalini, who uh, obviously loses his hand and wants it back. <laughs> yeah. And then the Knight Rider, who obviously sort of kicks us off, he's our first introduction to this gang... And it, it's a pretty pretty epic chase, really, to, to kick us off. Um, he's just randomly ranting and raving these sort of ACDC <laughs> lyrics um, yeah, over the radio. Journalist psychobabble. I am the Night Rider. <laughs> I'm a fuel-injected suicide machine. You know, he's just, yeah, uh, he's obviously stolen a police car as well. I think this is the, where the the V8 comes from later in the in the in the story that they uh, try to bribe Max with. You know, it, but he's just batshit crazy. Uh, but this this chase is just amazing. Yeah, I think he's in the, like uh, a religious fervor. There's something that comes back in um, Fury Road um, where right. the gang say, um, "Witness, uh, do you witness me?" Um, before doing launching an attack, and um, you see it there where he's like, "The toe cutter sees me. The toe cutter sees me." You know, he's they're making the new gods on earth. They're right. You know, and he f- sees himself as an apostle of the toe cutter. Yeah, you know, new legends. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you get this. Or have I gone too deep? No, 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 no. I like deep. It's good. But I think it's you know, here's a. I think this is there are a lot of sort of deep things within the the Mad Max saga, I suppose, as as a whole. And I think each film has has something to uh, to say. They're not just you know balls to the wall action or anything like that. They've got something. You know, George Miller's a such an interesting director. He's 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 always got something. Yeah, no, there's an incredible evolution between each film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except maybe number three. Well, I think it's 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 definitely the weakest one, but it's it's got some interesting bits in it. I think that it suffers um, because um, Byron Kennedy, uh, George Miller's long-term partner, um, died uh, quite close to the making of it, and um, oh, right. he was in a bit of a dizzy tizzy making it. So I think a lot of it was done by um, second unit directors, and um, uh, it hasn't, yeah, it, hasn't it does got that intelligence to it. You know, I feel. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely it not as smooth. Comedy, you know? But it does have some incredible elements. 
but yeah, this 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 chase scene, you know, the the sort of path through this, the police path through this little sort of mini mini van, I suppose it is, mini mini bus. Yeah, just obliterate it. Yeah, and like, oh, we're going to get done for that. He had his indicators on, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, and then obviously nearly run over a kid, and then just pile through this caravan, which is um, an epic. Uh, epic shot really it was recreated in a music video and I can't for the life of me think what it was okay. so if anybody knows who's listening just send that on a postcard to movies your podcast PO box whatever to be determined <laughs> yeah um, but he has you know this this sort of showed out this this game of chicken with Max and he's he's bested him he's shown him to be be a coward basically and this forces him to to just break down and yeah yeah the whole speed um run that he was yeah. on all the energy that he had has just dissipated and now there's nothing yeah. there's nothing <laughs> and then our first sort of full introduction to the to the to the motorbike gang is uh, this attack on this town mm-hmm. uh you know like say they they're, they're riding into town uh collecting the the uh, night riders coffin uh, to which the station master says there's not they didn't leave much of him <laughs> and it is this tiny little coffin that you do then see later uh, the tow cutter riding in the back of the pickup with it just sort of caressing it in the back um but then they they sort of cause chaos and it's their first sort of bit of brutality really but it's quite playful to begin with you know they're sort of dancing around the town and having a bit of a laugh and a joke and minor sort of you know hooliganism really I suppose yeah it's quite, um, quite um, gay interplay between um, Kundalini yeah. and his mates dancing around yeah well I mean that comes in there's something I want um, uh, I'll talk about in a second but you know it very quickly just you know they're sort of harassing this guy and then all of a sudden they're you know dragging him across uh, the street and on the back of you know tied to the back of one of their bikes and it it's almost comes out of nowhere really it becomes quite shocking, and then they uh, they sort of run down this couple in this in this this hot rod, and there's you know although you don't see it, there's obviously implied um, that rapes occurred. Yeah. Um, she's been sexually assaulted, but also the also the bloke is running away with a sore bum and um, yes, yeah, I'd not um, I'd not picked well obviously I picked up that he didn't have any trousers on before, um, but you know there's there's it looks like there's sort of blood on his on his backside um which you know they go both ways yeah exactly you know they when they turn up at the at the at the um at the farm as well you know they're still he's still being pretty sort of um playful with everything at the at the sea you know at the, at the coast i suppose we'll say um they're being pretty playful there and it does get quite creepy there where they're sort of running chasing jesse through the the woods and then she sort of bumps into the this sort of backwards tommy cooper character benno mm. but yeah you know anything that they've done before just can you get more sinister than running down a, a mum and a baby um it's a pretty you know again another brutal scene in a pretty brutal film really you know all you get is the uh, i think it's is the ball and the the shoe sort of bouncing down the road and then you get this protracted scene of Mel Gibson, you know, he's running, he's not just running, you know, a few a few metres, a few feet, he's running 
good fucking distance down this highway. He runs past May and Benno, and it's just heartbreaking. It's a horrible, horrible scene. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's very much akin to, to Pet Cemetery and Gage's death. Uh, but you know, obviously, this came what twelve years before that? No, eight years before that, something around there. But you know, it goes. It shows the absolute lengths that they'll go to. You know, and and through the the length of this film, uh, you know, it shows just ex- exactly what they'll do and how how much of a, a threat they are. Well, I mean, I guess that's one thing that he re- he's really trying to capture um, because you know he worked as an emergency room doctor, and um, the genesis of yeah. the film is him attending um, like all the road crashes. That he'd, he'd go to because the, you know they were rife at the time, and um, so I mean he he saw those scenes, he knew what they were like, you know, the trauma that people were facing. Yeah, I mean I think there is there's been sort of points made to there's a scene uh, fairly early on I think uh, with a, a sort of you know road traffic accident, yeah, and just somebody hanging out the windscreen, and apparently it's 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 considered one of the most sort of real depictions of, of a of a motor vehicle accident and that was you know cited to George Miller's uh, emergency room experiences but, you know considering that you know it's it, it's the, the remote motorcycle gang there's not much sort of it's not like it's a, a a fast and a furious type of thing they're not talking about how big the bikes are and all that sort of thing the bikes are pretty sort of secondary they're you know they're, they're, a, they're a gang at the end of the day and that's uh uh, that's their their main sort of um, draw in this film. But they did a nice job of um, like building the, com- the camaraderie within the gang. Yeah, you know they all yeah. rode down like is it from Sydney to Melbourne where they filmed it or vice versa. So they yeah. had like a week together on the road. And they look good, like I say. You know they don't all they're not all typical biker gang. You know they've all got sort of their individual identities almost. Um, you know, I don't know whether it's, it's, you know, because they're a biker gang in Australia, they're not quite as, you know, heavily sort of laden with with stuff as as maybe the Hell's Angels in uh, in this country. Because I suppose it's it's fucking hot out there, and uh, you don't want to be caked up to your eyeballs in leather. But to talk a little bit about uh, some of the other performances in the film, Mel Gibson obviously it's his first reasonably big role. He uh, famously turned up for the audition after being in a bar fight and looked like he'd had uh, seven bells kicked out of him um, bit rough yeah I mean you know it's a solid performance it's it's he's obviously clearly very um, very green you know very new but he has that charisma the leading man yeah charisma, you know. yeah they don't really sort of build the fact that he's meant to be this sort of petrol head as well obviously there's the point where they Try to bribe him with this 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 V eight, but I mean, other than that, it you know it, it doesn't seem like something that would be plausible. I know it doesn't bribe him in the end, mm. but like I said, I don't. That's not really what this film is about. I suppose it's not about fast cars and fast bikes, really. It's about it's about the story. Um, but he's got good chemistry with everyone. He's pretty believable. Um, he was best mates with um, Goose. Was he really? Well, you see, Steve Bisley, I thought, was was a bit wooden, but then I don't know if that's just because he was a bit annoying, because I've known people like Goose who were a bit... I didn't really get the... You're obviously meant to feel, you know... What a great guy. 
Yeah, exactly. And I didn't really get that with him. Uh, not that it takes away from the film or anything, but obviously, you know, he's there to serve a purpose. Yeah, he's, I mean, this um, is his first scene where he like steals this guy's food by um, telling him this disgusting story about um, his face is peeled off. Yeah, exactly. I really resent stuff like that. That's his dinner. Yeah. He's not really, I don't think the push, again, you know, it's not really vital to the story, I suppose, but they don't really push him as a as a real wild man apart from this nightclub scene where it's really awkward and this woman's just singing at him and yeah. licking her teeth. <laughs> Strange uh, woman. Yeah, yeah, she looked like a grey alien with a wig on, I thought. Very 2008. Interestingly, though, she was the only um, actor in this film not dubbed. Um, for the American version. Um, if anybody is listening to this podcast and they've watched the American dubbed version, um, I suggest you stop listening to it now and go and watch the Australian original dialogue. Um, I've got a bad feeling a that that's the version better. I watched. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, I think it is. And it should be the good one because it's like the quadrilogy set, you know, it's got everything in there, all the extras and stuff, but I'm pretty sure it's the American version. Yeah, they did, well, they, I had the DVD version. You had to change the language to uh, English 2, I think, or something like that. If you change that, then you get the, the original Aussie ah. version. I have gone <laughs> wrong. I should have checked my <laughs> Um But, you know, Goose's death is, is pretty brutal. You know, it's, he's very clearly been sat upside down or hung upside down in this uh, this crashed... I don't know what it is. I know the guy who uh, who says you better not wreck my car, and it just looks like it's been wrecked a fucking thousand times over. It's got like no hood on it or anything. Um, but you know he's got these sort of bloodshot eyes, this this petrol trickling down, um, and Johnny's you know he's got to earn his stripes. You know this he doesn't want to. Well, give it to Johnny uh, the boy. That's a fuck of a shot. You know whenever he's flung through the windscreen. Yeah, well, it's it. To be fair, it's a pretty faultless shot, you know, in terms of filming it as well. You know, it's it's this sort of mini pan to the right, and it, you know, I know they cut away, but it's not fucking far off, not far off at all. And then you get this this hospital scene where, you know, it's you don't need to see, you don't need to see it, you don't need to see goose completely fried and skin falling off or whatever. He's cooked his goose, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's another, you know, great film piece of filmmaking. Yeah. You know, it's all shown in in uh, Max's eyes. Um, That's not goose. Yeah, and I always think it, you know, it's quite interesting that they've not, um, they've never sort of gone back to that in in the other films because he, he's not dead. I know he's probably not got much of a life, but these other sort. I think that there was always sort of uh, these almost conspiracy theories I suppose wasn't there that uh, humongous in Road Warrior was was Goose but the same the same with Jesse because Jesse's not dead just walk away from your lunch <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's such an odd character I'll, I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll talk about Road Warrior but, um, on this podcast yeah uh, well his wife's still alive at the end isn't yeah. she so, I mean, there's another, yeah there's yeah. another loose tie Presumably snuffed it between the two. Yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. I mean, you know, they say that she'll sort of pull through and that, but it's never, it's never revisited or, or sort of touched upon uh, in the later films. 
But, you know, Joanne Samuel, she does a good job. She I does, think. yeah. Um, a last-minute replacement as well for the original actress. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, right. And, um, yeah, because um, that was the only bad accident that happened was, like, just, just, as, just as they were about to set up and start the... Um, she was being driven by the head stunt guy and um, they had a crash quite a bad oh, wow. one and so the original actress was out for the count um, they couldn't use her and um, so they brought in Joanne Samuels I thought she did a great job yeah 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 definitely um, gorgeous but I will say one thing her and Max make absolute shitty parents <laughs> there is one point he's got the kid's got a gun yeah <laughs> He's just sat there with it. And it's not referenced. It's not like they go back to it and say, oh, you know, don't play with that or anything like that. Or he doesn't get it off the kid or anything. It's literally just a cut to this kid sat on the floor with this fucking, you know, six-shooter, basically. Um, This is the new reality, Peter. You know, you have to train your kids to be gun aware. (laughs) Um, And they just fucking leave them alone everywhere. It's like yeah, yeah. They walks off. The, the kids like he's not even sitting on the blanket when we see him. He like runs off after a ball into the forest. And he's yeah, like, la di da, <laughs> off to the beach for two hours. It can only be yeah. It can only be like eighteen to eighteen months to two years, something like that. But they just fucking leave him. Even May doesn't know where he is. They just yeah. fucking oh, god. The dingoes will bring him back apparently. <laughs> Um, well, here's, but, yeah. here's a legitimate criticism of the film. You know, isn't Max just an idiot for, um, like, A, tangling with this gang and then settling down? You know, he knows the gang is on his back. And yet he, he walks off and leaves his wife yeah. for hours at a time. Yeah, but, the, you know, that's the, I suppose that's the part, part, point of the film, isn't it? He pays, he pays that price, you know, ultimately. Um, he, uh, you know, he... He pays for it with the the the, the life of his his son. Yeah, it's the classic uh, movie trope of let's split up, never split up, always stay together. You know? Yeah, and certainly don't go for walking fucking miles to the beach. Yeah, it seems like it's fucking forever. But there we go. Again, you wouldn't would you do that if you know you've got a most you know crazy motorcycle gang on your hide? You wouldn't really, would you? Yeah, but just there we go. never sleep, keep moving. But there's no there's no film there. No, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then a, a shout out to to Roger Ward as as uh, as um, Fifi. He just looks like a wrestler, basically. Oh, the, um, the chief. Chief, yeah. Yeah, he's cool. <laughs> he's got this sort of. There's, there's the one. I think it's when Max leaves at the end. Towards you know, uh, he, he resigns, and he's just got these leather pants on and a neck scarf, watering his potted plants. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it's just crazy. And it's about in these lines. All right, I'll tell you how it is. You're a winner, Max. You're on the top shelf. And I'm not going to lose you because of some crazy notion about quitting. They say people don't believe in heroes anymore. Well, damn them. You and me, Max. We're going to give them back the heroes. Do you really expect me to go for that crap? You gotta admit I sound good there for a minute. Bye, people. <laughs> As they say in um, the Blank Check podcast, um, future uh, fashion is perfected in the future. You know, everyone's just wearing yeah. leather and looking really hard. <laughs> it's a good punk film, and there aren't many. Yeah, there's a lot of weird, just 
you know, just bizarre um, outfits. So like the, there's this lawyer that's, you know, very much a caricature of a lawyer. He's got this sort of bow tie and um, sort of tweed suit on and, you know, the very sort of campy uh, dialogue. And then you've got this police commissioner who just randomly turns up with a kendo outfit. I think it's a kendo outfit or some kind of fencing outfit or something. Yeah, apparently the cast would just turn up with like bits and bobs on the way to the set and um, things they'd seen in junk shops and they'd say, can we use this? <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, the, the only other sort of low point I'd say to this film is uh, the music in places. Mm. I think that the sentimental sort of soundtrack is, um, uh, you know, these sort of saxophony bits uh um, are not don't really fit in with the film, but I suppose it's the it's a sign of the times, really. Sort of late seventies. Uh, and music done by Brian May, but not, not that, that one. May, yeah. Not that Brian May. No. Yeah, I was just listening to um, the Straw Dogs episode of um, Video Archives, the Quentin Tarantino Roger Avery podcast, and um, it gets the soundtrack gets a knocking in that. Um, Quentin was saying, you know, what if it, it hadn't been Brian May? What if it was like a somebody decent imagine how much better the film would be and i think he has a point there's these three doom, doom chords uh, whenever you see mad max and there's trouble they work they they give it a kind of jaws punch but um otherwise yeah it's warbling it's all over the place um mm. they're giving you kind of happy music over the dialogue and you, you don't need it it should be way way the fuck dialed back yeah 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 i mean even so you know some of the i think some of the these sort of music that that accompanies the, some of the action pieces and the and the more sort of dread of the of the film. Uh, some of it works, but I think some of it is a bit sort of Masters of the Universe-y, um sort of uh, Halls of Justice-y kind of music. Exactly. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, overall, I think Mad Max is 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 just a fucking great film. Mm. It's just. It's everything you want, you know, it zips along, it's not over long, it doesn't really drag too much. There's a little bit, I suppose, of the nicey-nicey sort of Max and, and his family, um, but, you know, it's intertwined with a few more sort of bits of the of the biker gang and that, and it doesn't outstay its welcome, um, and it's there to, to really sort of drive that heartbreak. Yeah, I was, I was worried when you pulled it out, because I thought, actually, this is a contender, you might win this one, because... Um uh, it's one I remember seeing when I was like 11 or 12 when it came out and um, it was just fantastic you know it's like oh wow this is, you can do this and and um, so every George Miller film since then I had to see it as soon as it came out because I knew this guy was onto something you know? yeah and this guy made Babe as well and that's the point which I is stopped a, <laughs> well no Babe's a great film <laughs> great film um, but yeah, I think it was it was the only choice for me. It was the only film I really like that had a biker gang in it, and uh, I just think it's a great film. It's you know it's one of my all time favourites. Uh, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a solid choice. And um, I mentioned a couple of other films that have um, that vibe because um, there are some um, like Jubilee. Have you ever seen Jubilee? Nope. Derek Jarman's Jubilee. So yeah, that's. Um, like society is breaking down punk gangs roaming around um the police are just as bad as the outlaws police are in fact gay rapists um oh. <laughs> there's one uh never bl- uh, no blade of grass um seen that nope 
Okay, so there's been a major <laughs> ecological collapse. Um, there's no food anywhere, and um, this guy leads his uh, gang, his family, off to um, a safe refuge in the countryside across um, like the broken city. And right. That's, that's one to watch if you're into Mad Max. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, I like that. I like how you know they are all a little bit. It's almost like the same with the Evil Dead sort of films. I think really they all sort of minor reset at the start of each film you're not necessarily fully sort of continuous um and uh, this sort of unclarified sort of apocalypse i suppose you sort of get the feeling in mad max that maybe something's happened across the world and not necessarily in australia you know they're far enough away and um it's slowly starting to sort of impact them economically and then you know when you get to road warrior it's that bit sort of worse you know people are fighting over fuel um and then when you get to uh, beyond thunderdome there's not you know i don't think there's there's a vehicle in there at all is there apart from the train because mm. he's his his car's been um towed by camels I think isn't it something like that but then obviously at Fury Road it sort of goes back to these wild sort of chases so it showed you know those original three that show how everything's sort of getting more and more and more dystopian I suppose and just a shout out to Tina Turner who obviously passed away this week as well Yeah. God bless her Rest in peace. not the best actress but a good, perf- a good performance I think Oh, yeah. A memorable Amazing. performance yeah. in that. But he's just a raggedy man. He's quick. And Bob, do you think he can do it? Maybe. And what did you do before this? I was a cop, a driver. But how the world turns. One day cock of the wall, next to feather dust. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's about all I've got to say about Mad Max. Anything that you'd like to, to, to add in there, Tarquin? Um, no, I think we've covered it. Okie dokie, cool. Right, well, uh, we'll take a short break and then uh, we'll uh, get on to your choice. <laughs> Okay, so welcome to the intermissions. This is part of the podcast where I ask my guest a random question, a question they've not prepared for, uh, and get their honest first answer. So, Tarquin, are you ready? Hi. <laughs> uh, so, kind of in keeping to the film that we've just discussed, and two sort of reasonably famous movie tropes. Would you rather be a survivor in a zombie apocalypse or an AI takeover apocalypse? Hmm. AI takeover apocalypse. I'm trying to think of what that would look like. Um, the robots Big are Skynet. Against, okay. <laughs> the robots are against us. Um... Hmm. Well, what do you think you'd fare the best in? 
I think an AI thing because, well, yeah, I'm thinking that you could like have an easier time getting away from toasters, but then I guess they'd send killer robots out to get you with like scent that could send you from 2,000 miles away and track you down mm. wherever you are. And zombies are pretty Kill stupid, so killer air fryers. Yeah, <laughs> and that would be bad. So, hmm. Neither is ideal, but I, I think I'll go for the zombies because, um, you know, with enough insulation and uh, thick enough walls, you can keep a zombie out. Yeah. Well, I always liked the, there was a famous sort of uh, meme that went round uh, with uh, how to survive a zombie apocalypse, and it was someone who put a load of uh, treadmills outside their house, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Getting fitter. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... it's if ever you you go out into into town in 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 Lincoln, my hometown, then it's it's almost like a zombie apocalypse sometimes. Um, especially since spice hit the streets. Thank God. Thank God. No, I don't mean that at all. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot more fun to be had with a zombie apocalypse. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. it's all been done to death, isn't it? But you know, it's the joy of shooting your fellow men, going around with yeah. impunity flying people away <laughs> nicking everything that you need you know yeah looting the shops why not there's a lot to be a lot of fun to be had yeah it's just an average day in London isn't it yeah. <laughs> uh, okay so uh, okay let's uh, head back to uh, the main podcast thank you very much thank you. Okay, so Tarquin, what uh, what film did you pick? Psychomania, from 1973. They were just ordinary troublemakers, as long as they lived. But they returned from beyond the grave with superhuman powers, unleashing an unholy reign of terror that holds an entire community in the grip of Psychomania. Psychomania. Everybody dies, don't they? But some come back. How do the dead come back, Mother? When you die, you've got to believe that you're going to come back. die once. After that, nothing and nobody can harm you. Psychomania. A.K.A. the Death Wheelers. Okay, I'll give you a synopsis. Um, From the size of those skid marks, it can only mean one thing. Lock up your prams. Hoist not your bun tray into the market square. And for God's sake, move at leather. The living dead motorcycle gang are coming to Walton-on-Thames. Two-wheel pteranauts gobbing in the face of pedestrian right-of-way. Sweet Abby, would her innocent love cure Tom of his obsessive quest to forge the chasm between life and death? 
or would he lead the living dead in a war against all authority, be it cop, pub landlord, or stack display of tinned vegetable produce? What deal did Tom's mystical seer mother do with the black-robed emissary of the frog god? Why does her butler Shadwell never age? And what happened to Tom's father 18 years ago? Yeah, frog power, baby! It's a stone groove until these flower-arranging thugs have their hands around your throat, squeezing your brain and blowing your mind. This is Psychomania. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, that's a synopsis. That is a synopsis. And I think, you know, for me, I'd not seen this film, but that, that just perfectly encapsulates it, really. I think it's just... Yeah, absolutely. It's mad pulp goodness, you know, but in a very mundane, boring setting, you know. It's, it's, yeah, it's two yeah. things drooling. Yeah, I think it's very much, you know, for me, first time viewing. It's it's that it's all that. It's just, yeah, you can, you know, you could look at this film and think well, this this is just bizarre bag of shite, really. But it's just <laughs> many people have yeah, found yeah. it. But yeah, but. It's just one of those films that's better for it. When I when I felt, when I was a kid, um, I heard about it before I saw it, and um, you know, people were saying, "Oh yeah, there's this film with Hell's Angels, and they come back from the dead and terrorise this town." I was like, "Oh my god, I have to see this film!" You know, this this is everything, <laughs> and um, it, it didn't disappoint for me. I, I think they're a great gang. You know, he's the perfect leader of the gang, uh, Tom Tom Latham. <laughs> Did. It did sort of strike me though that it's 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 almost feels like it's written by somebody who doesn't really know anything about, about, about a biker guy. <laughs> They're very sort of this, yeah, you know, in in the way that that Toe gang are very sort of ragtag. These are sort of ragtag but posh, you know. They're very sort of upper middle class. You know, obviously Tom is because he's. You, I mean, you don't really sort of get a, um, an indication of why, but you know, it's obviously from a well-to-do family, and he's a bit of a, a, a rebel and, and throwing that to the to the wall kind of thing. And Jane, the one in the red leather jacket, she's she's posh as well. She reminds me of um, Dawn French, that kind of. <laughs> yes, Jane, crazy chick as I've got. Yeah, yeah, she's cool. In my notes, just to sort of differentiate them. Although I think I must have put a typo somewhere because I've got Mark Larkin as Abby. Mary, Mary Larkin. It must be Mary, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so you, I'm guessing you saw this film quite young then, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I guess thirteen or fourteen or something like that, and, and yeah. it's just been a favourite ever since. I mean, all right, a lot of it was just giggling about the skid mark. From the look of those skid marks, something must have forced him over. Um, <laughs> come on, you know, we go back to that. But. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's a cool film. And, you know, what else is there like that, you know? Yeah. And well, I mean, it's quite it's quite a high sort of concept really, you know, it's it's a very, you know, it's got this sort of a uh, cult sort of background to it. Um in that uh you know, Tom's mother is this sort of seer and uh, psychic, but and if you grow up smoking dope and listening to Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple, 
what represents that in cinema you know that whole era that magical era of like what the hippies became yeah and i think to go back to your point um you know if you're out in the sticks then you're how do you know what a hell's angel is meant to be or an outlaw baker you know you you make your own um society and so in that way it kind of works yeah yeah well you know like i said the, you know the concept of the actual story you know that the they're almost sort of cheating death by this, uh, by committing suicide. It's, it's, it's an interesting story, you know. It's, um, you've got this sort of backstory that, that Tom's dad attempted to do it and wavered at the last minute, so it didn't, it didn't work for him. Um, I think there's, is there the suggestion that that's Shadwell's already done that and that's why he doesn't age? Yeah. Or is Shadwell, like, the emissary of the frog god? Yeah. Um, it's all very confusing. <laughs> like like Mad Max, there's a lot left unsaid. You know, what was the deal that um, Beryl does over um, baby Tom in the mirror? Yeah, because he was... Where did I... I'm going to have to look it up. I'd seen that uh, uh, George Sanders um, in something else, and I can't think what it was. All About Eve? No. He's done a lot. No. Oh, no, that was it. He was the voice of... Uh, Shere Khan. Shere Khan. Yeah, amazing. In the Jungle Book. That was it. That was it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a really interesting concept, I think. But then I think if if it had probably been handled a bit more seriously and a bit more budget and everything else, it probably wouldn't have been as good a film as it is. I think it would probably have just been quite sort of mediocre, I suppose. So, I mean, it doesn't really, you know, th- there's a, possibly a story to be told there um, about the people who who do sort of waver. You know, you get this backstory about his dad and then one of the gang uh, doesn't sort of pull through and come out the other side. Pinky, I think. Yeah. And, but then you don't necessarily sort of get that with... There could have been a little bit more development there, I suppose. But it's not that kind of film. I think it's th- it's there to be quite sort of salacious about not giving a fuck and wanting to live forever and cause as much mayhem as possible yeah. and stick it to the man almost um, you know the director Don Sharp he's, he's very good at um, you know giving you a structure leaving the story on I find with a lot of films um, of that era like you've got werewolves on wheels and um, you know other Hells Angels films I watched the, um, the Sonny Barger uh, recommended Hells Angels on the 69 where they're in Las Vegas and I find them very lazy and sloppy and um, self-indulgent hippie films you know oh there's werewolves of Washington as well and um, but this you've got a solid structure from someone who's been through the hammer factory and knows how to mm. deliver a film so each each scene advances a story that's it yeah it doesn't you know it, it doesn't there's no fat in there it doesn't waste any time or anything like that at all um, it's incredibly british as well it's very um you know i mean you don't you don't see i can't say that i've seen a lot of british sort of exploitation films and this very much feels like an exploitation film so but it is very proper english as she is spoken like lines like um who's this geezer and i'll teach you a lesson you long-haired git you know i love that you know we should have more of that yeah I recognise the, the, the coach driver from the uh, Jolly Boys out in, in Only Falls and Horses as well. He was uh, he was in this. 
as well as Robert Hardy, who plays possibly the worst chief inspector in the world. What, Heseltine? Yeah, oh God, yeah. Who made the call? I, I did. I told her not to go with him. But she would. Go with who? One of that bike gang. The living dead, they call themselves. That lot. They're just... Uh, this whole plan to catch them and <laughs> use um, Abby as the as this bait and I mean obviously you don't it, it's a it's a sort of cut to all these these policemen in these very weird mortuary um, cabinets I suppose yeah um, like a baker's display it's been described as <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like really they're just not that up from a different set from somewhere else but it is very bizarre. But it, it it's. I, I believed him though. I mean, I mean, he is a terrible policeman. He should have put it together immediately. You know. <laughs> oh, I mean, obviously Tom Latham is like the superstar, aristocratic son of his of his uh, district, and he's you know what other motorbike gang is is it going to be? They should have banged him up straight away in the first twenty minutes. But yeah, that's true. That's true. But you know, I think there's in, there's some interesting sort of stunts in this as well great stunts yeah yeah i mean there's a few of them you think well that probably wouldn't really have killed them but but when they're zipping around um, on a motorway like nearly smacking into cars and things like that i mean there's a couple of times i was like whoa watching it on the telly yeah yeah definitely i think there's there's some really sort of gnarly bits there's the bit where they obviously um ride through the pram and in the in this sort of supermarket yeah. uh setting um which it, it really bothered me that did um, because you don't. It's quite uh, unambiguous to to the sort of fate of this of this baby as well, which always sort of bothers me. Well, that's that's how callous and evil Jane is, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true, I suppose. Um, but it bothered me in um, Under the Skin. Okay, I never saw that. Yeah. Oh God, it's oh, it's a good film, but I wouldn't watch it again just purely because there's this scene with it baby and it's horrible anyway uh, Robert Hardy yeah worst policeman ever um, yeah, fair, fair point. but I can reel these things off as this uh, first time viewing and it might come across as being completely negative about this film but I fucking loved it I thought it was great cool. um, <laughs> it's just a lot of fun and just you know just uh, I wouldn't necessarily say so bad that it's good kind of thing but does come across very tongue in cheek and just very British. <laughs> the, um, so all I can think about is how British <laughs> this film is. When you put it against something, I know um, Mad Max was, you know, nearly what sort of six, six, seven years later. But you know, if you looked at a, an Australian exploitation film, an American exploitation film of the seventies, and and then put this in that in that mix. You know, accents aside, it's just quintessentially British. Yeah, it's a different world. I mean, yeah, if you put it against um, the Australian film Stone, which is about a biker gang, and um, you know, it's a proper proper Hell's Angel gang. You know, um, great stunts, um, living in caves, filthy. You know, um, dropping acid and um, having wild runs. You know, this this film mm. is very. Uh, effete and tidy in comparison so what would you say there's a stand what would you say is a standout performance in this film do you think it's tom it has to be, tom. It has to be tom i mean the actor is um b 
being very rude about the film, I think. But you know, it's <laughs> he he regards it as a blemish on his career. But he's great in it. You know, he's he brings the Shakespearean gravitas um, to the role. I mean, there's a scene in the supermarket um, in the shopping centre where the gang are running rampant and um, chasing women with prams and knocking over ladders and, and what have you. And um, Abby laughs. And Tom just shoots her this look of just pure disdain, like, you think that's funny, do you, you know? Um, or in the cemetery, when um, he hops, looking very much like a frog himself, and catches a frog. <laughs> it, he, he kills every line, he's, he's great. You know why the fellow's called, Mother? We blew a fellow's mind. It was beautiful. Should have been there. He went right through the windscreen. <laughs> Great fun. But just you wait till you hear what we've got planned for tomorrow night. Yeah, I think he, you know, he 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 portrays this, you know, this sort of he's almost sort of this sort of rich boy who's just pissed off with yeah. everything and everyone. You believe he's the leader of a gang, and you believe that he's the sire, the heir to a fortune as well. You know, he, he carries both roles. Exactly, because I think every you know the rest of the gang are these sort of. They follow him. You can see him as a leader, and uh, you know whether that's because they're drawn to his, his sort of gravitas and his his money, I suppose. Um, but you believe that. Yeah, he is the excitement in that town. You know, he's he is the only thing happening. Yeah, exactly. You know, you get the impression that he's probably, you know, contributed towards the bikes and all that sort of thing. And he's, you know, he's very much the this crazy leader. You know, you've got. Uh, is it Hatchet? Yeah. I've got a sort of fat one. I, mean, I thought I'd recognise from something, but I think he just looks... Yeah, he, lo- he looks like the snub-nosed guy in um, Bonnie and Clyde. Um, he later turned mm. up in um, Blade Runner. He'd, he'd be a yes. perfect hobbit. You know, It's a shame there was no live-action. <laughs> um, Lord of the Rings made in 1973, because he'd be yeah. the perfect sound. And then there's another one who seems to be only in it because he can play the guitar yeah, yeah. and sing songs. I can't remember his name. Chopped meat. Uh, chopped, chopped meat. Okay. <laughs> um, which did didn't quite sort of sit right with me, but well, um, he's, he's your gentle hippie lad. He reminded me of. Um, you ever see Scum? Yes. The, the guy who never wore shoes. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know what you mean. Yeah. I think that, that type, you know comes out of a working class background but he's got ideas you know he reads you know that's how i saw him i very much consider the subject for this podcast of film great films that i would never watch again of which scum is is one of them because it is a fucking great film but it's 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 a tough watch yeah and i'd put it against anything whether it's last house to the left martyrs or anything like that i would put scum in that category because it's yeah. such a fucking hard film to watch Alan Clark is a brutal fucker <laughs> yeah oh yeah oh, right thanks you bastard I'm the daddy now next time I'll fucking kill you I love the opening scene in this, uh, the gang in the mist yes yeah there's some really good needle drops in this film as well there's some very you know, sort of power cordy. Yeah, I mean, one of. one thing I definitely win on is I always have to win. Is um, the <laughs> soundtrack is is amazing. Um, John Cameron's um, score. Mm-hmm. He said that, yeah, know, he was he was going for um, 
a tight clipped funky sound but they're recording in Shepperton Studios so you get all the resonance like the, the church like atmosphere and it just really works reminds me of um, Primal Screams Loaded yes yeah know exactly what you're saying there yeah yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's kind of timeless the, the bike riding through the mist over the stones and um, in, cy- in a cycle in a circle rather um, yeah yeah that's a great imagery now then what do you think of Beryl Reed? Well, Beryl Reed's Beryl Reed, isn't she? She's just, you know, kindly old lady. She's very sort of quintessential when it comes to British old ladies. I mean, her and George Sanders both both great, obviously, but um, we're kind of half awake and just walking through this one, I think. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I suppose I can't imagine that she would have been overly enthused about this <laughs> film. Um, Oh God, we're doing this, are we? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I liked George Sanders. I thought he was pretty, pretty creepy. Very. He almost reminded me of, um, God, what's the character called from Phantasm? Not quite as exuberant, but just in sort of, um, imagery. Um, God, what's he called? Is it the tall man in? Uh, I've seen Phantasm, so I'm just I'm nodding my head. Here. Phantasm, <laughs> uh, Angus something. His name is. Yeah, yeah, just very sort of backgroundy, creepy old. He comes to life um, after the séance when yeah. um, the idiot people don't take a hint and keep trying to foist a silver cross on him. And get out! <laughs> get out! Will you? But there's some nice sort of there's this sort of psychedelic imagery as well, isn't there? And they uh, uh, this sort of is it, I can't remember if it's got a specific name, but he goes into this this is it the room where his dad died? Sort of very sort of quintessential seventies psychedelic. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great scene. Yeah. Will the room give me the secret? May. It depends on you. On what you are. If you're afraid, we won't think any less of you. Mm. So he goes into the room, and then this kind of um, weird psych- psychedelic sounds build up, and there's a, like a feeling of oral pressure, like he's, he's clutching his head because um, he's in pain. And um, there's a big mirror, and that shows him scenes from his life, uh, like first riding around on a bike, and then riding around on a bicycle when he was younger, and then just running around and waving his arms like a girly twat when he was a kid. And then, <laughs> as a baby, um, some deal that his mother did with, um, we, don't, we don't see him, but Shadwell. Yeah. Um, with the devil. And then we see the frog god, um, which is just a big frog lying on its back. In this. <laughs> but very um, H.P. Lovecraft, you know, the thought of his yeah. huge celestial frog out there somewhere, commanding the universe. That's probably the point where it, you know, it, it loses a bit of its threat when it's this sort of frog god, I suppose. It's, you you don't embrace think, the frog god? <laughs> you deny the power of no. frog? No. No, I think frogs are the least threatening of all the uh, all the woodland creatures. Okay, well, in my notes, I shall have to refer, um, the Olmec tribes created images of a toad god of rebirth, <coughs> eating its own skin... Yeah. It is reborn by consuming itself, caught in a cycle of death and rebirth, like people and the natural world itself. So there you go. And I was, there we go. I was trying to remember in the um, 
psychedelic dream images in uh, Ken Russell's uh, altered images, or altered states. I think there's um, some frog stuff there as well. Oh, so what more can you want from a film? Frogs and skid marks. It's got it all. <laughs> <laughs> and a suicide montage. And a suicide montage, yes. Yeah. It was the main main selling point. I mean, it was what we talked about in the playground the next day. You know, just, just your bike. Come down here. All right. <laughs> or the um, the parachute sequence. They're not necessarily sort of committing suicide because they're depressed or anything like that. They're doing it because they want to... Yeah, it's their path to live forever, I suppose, isn't it? It's not. Um, it's you know you don't get really with any of them that uh, it's it's you know they're in any kind of depressive state or anything like that. It's purely because they're thrill seekers and want to live forever. Yeah, I mean it's it's Tom's obsession from the beginning. I mean, like when um, he's canoodling with um, Abby in the cemetery. And like mm-hmm. the first thing he says is, you know... Tom, you're not human. I'm sorry, but... But sometimes I just don't understand you. One minute you want to make love to me, the next minute you don't even notice if I'm there. Sometimes you scare me. It's not me that scares you. It's the world. Let's get out of it, Abby. Let's cross over. Cross over? To the other side. How do we do that? We kill ourselves. <laughs> so he knows yeah. he knows something. He knows that there's a way to... Um, he, he knows that Shadwell is immortal and that there's a way mm. to harness that power. Yeah. And, you know, who wouldn't if you, if you knew that? You know? Well, I don't know. Would you really want to live forever? Um, yeah, I'm interested. I'm curious. I want to know what happens three centuries from now. Oh, no. I've been, I've been in various meetings where I'm thinking, fuck it out. <laughs> <laughs> At least in twenty years, I'll be dead. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. No. no fucking. No. I don't feel, no, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to live forever. This could be an email. Definitely. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, anything else you want to 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 add for Psychomania? Well, the great scene. Um, the the song. Have to talk about the song. The funeral, where um, Tom's head is popping out of the ground um, like by a good three feet, while the um, the gang great <laughs> 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 yeah. flowers and, and sing his praises. Just sat on his bike. It's like I kept, all I kept thinking was, how the fuck have they got hold of his body? <laughs> yeah, that's a very lax town, you know. They've got this World <laughs> yeah. Heritage Center in the middle of it, and the Seven Sisters, and, and they'll let any your gang dig a hole there and bury a corpse. And he's yeah, he's just sort of. St- Sat on his bike in this grave, isn't he? From what I remember, yeah, like some weird Damien Hirst fucking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just bizarre, absolutely bizarre. I love, but, um, I love all the clothes. I love the jackets. I love the lettering. Um, got like it looks like the Cramps logo. Yeah. The because uh, what are they called? What's the name of the the Living Dead gang? Living Dead. That's it. Yeah. Good name. You can't go wrong. Oh, and of course, um, the scene where he bursts out of the ground. Yes, yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, wasn't that Bat Out of Hell? Wasn't that in the Meatloaf video? I mean, it's definitely the cover <laughs> of Bat, um, Bat Out of Hell. No, the the Bat Out of Hell covers in the bike in midair, isn't it? And the bat's on top of the 
Empire State Building or something. Right, this I can't remember. Requires checking. I can't. <laughs> that might be the second one. Yeah, he's bursting out of a grave. All oh, right, okay. I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> the second one, Battle of L two, is definitely Empire State Building or something. Nineteen seventy seven. It came out. So there you go. Ripped off totally. Five years after. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not it's not the greatest film in the world, obviously, but. But do you think do you think that this is a film that's ripe for being remade? I do. Um, who's the guy who directed Mandy? This is the guy. He, he should um, he should do a remake of it. I think it's there. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, a lot of films that get remade are great films or films that are, you know, substantial in a in a specific genre or whatever it's always good films that get remade why don't people remake shit films mm. not that this is a shit i don't think this is a shit film at all um i think it's a very sort of but a low 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 budget film that couldn't quite explore all of its ideas and you know still had room to um to explore i mean that's that's what you should yeah. be looking for like look at the hills of eyes one of the most successful remakes yeah where the guy came to it later and just had all this new stuff to add to it and you know in some ways made a better film well look at the thing yeah. thing from another world is it? i mean i know it's, it's, it's a loose sort of remake because it's not really a remake it's more of a retelling of the original story oh yeah no obviously john carpenter's um thing and in and, and the fly the more you know one that everyone hates uh, well i i thought that was it was all right it could have been a lot worse yeah people I people are that's... too down on cgi effects you know they can do some yeah. things well I think if you can if you can throw uh, any remake, it could have been worse than you know. It's a decent film, um, but uh, we shall be discussing horror remakes uh, with Vanessa uh, in the very near okay. future. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I think this you know you you could develop this story a little bit more, and especially in modern times, you know, where you could actually show some of the death. You know, because it's all pans and cuts, and like there's the body yes. on the ground. You know, you could, you could definitely, um, yeah. Or you could show what all immortality is like, and um, yeah. Well, even some of the brutality. You know, you get this um, where he picks up when he first comes back from the dead, um, Tom, and he picks up this girl at the at this pub, and um, you know, he, he, she starts sort of screaming for help, and then it cuts to. You know, bodies all over the floor. Really, doesn't it? It doesn't show you, yeah, any of that brutality or anything like that. And I think, you know, who you might want to appeal to in this kind of film, you know, horror fans who who, who like that kind of thing, um, it could have it could have gone that bit further. I think if it had been maybe another. That's my phone. <laughs> the jungle is calling. <laughs> if. If it had been, you know, another what ten years down the line, you'd probably have it'd probably have gone that far. This is early, you know, early seventies Britain. Um, you're not really gonna, you know, go that far. I suppose. I mean, this is, or even if this was made in in the states around this time, you know, you're looking at things like the Last House on the Left and and Chainsaw Massacre. Um, not that you see a great deal in that, I suppose, but they're, they're a bit more sort of gnarly than than this film mm. it's quite a clean film 
despite its subject. I mean, the only fatal accident is the one at the beginning where the guy goes through the, um, the windscreen that you actually see. Everything else yeah. is, you see the aftermath, and it's, it's very clean. Mm hmm. Be interesting to see what a Hell's Angel looks like after he's after he's splattered seven <laughs> feet from a parachute. Oh, indeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would. Uh, I wouldn't say in terms of the subject that you've uh, convinced me this is a better outlaw biker film. Yeah, but you might win this one. You might win this one. But I would certainly like to thank you for introducing me to uh, Psychomania because it was uh, I very much enjoyed it. My pleasure. Um, and a very uh, very interesting film. I have I have some uh, contenders because um, I, I, I mm -hmm. did my research. So other films that you might think are better, or that your listeners might think are better at law biker films. Um, you've got Stone, the Australian okay. one I mentioned earlier. Um, that's an exploitation classic. You've got. What may be a sequel, um, Stone Cold, um, very similar storyline, uh, with Brian Bosworthy as an undercover cop um, infiltrating the um, the Hells Angels um, with his movies right. and his mullet. Um, you've got The Wild Ones, uh, the Marlon Brando classic. Um, mm -hmm. you know, bikers take over a town based on a real incident that happened. Um, you've got Werewolves on Wheels. I find it a bit too spliffy and self-indulgent, but um, it's an interesting watch. You've got Hell's Angels on Wheels, the um, Roger Corman film. Um, something a bit more adult and mature, Mask, uh, with Cher and Eric Stoltz. Um, you remember that film? Mm -hmm. The little elephant man kid? I, I kind of do, yeah, but I don't remember a biker gang being in it. But then it's a long time since I've watched it. I think it's Ron Perlman from The Sons of Anarchy is leading that. Um, and more on a tangent, but isn't there a biker gang in every which way but loose? Yes, that was the only other one. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only other one that was a slight contender for me, but I'm not, um, aside from a few... You're not standing by Police Academy, then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Blue Oyster Bar in uh, Police Academy, I did, uh, when you first threw the subject at me, I did uh, throw that as a possibility. Um, uh, but no, no, it was a bit of a stretch. And I think if you if you say bikes in general... Then there's only one choice um, for the best biker movie, and that's uh, Quadrophenia. Yeah, I suppose I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're mods. They're they're the anti anti rockers, but um, that's just a brilliant film. I, I can't. That's in my top five, I think. Well, I mean, I suppose a lot of people would probably throw Easy Rider as well. It's not a film I've yeah. seen, to be honest. But um, I know that would probably be. Um, a big contender for a lot of people, I would imagine, because I know it's a, a very, very loved film and and uh, considered a, a classic. But it's not one I've seen, so I I've, I've seen it, but not near enough to um to give a verdict. I mean, it, it falls into this lazy self-indulgent camp for me. Okay. But epoch-defining. <laughs> Any which way with loot, but loose was the only other one I sort of thought about but like I said I don't love it enough to, to, to throw it into a discussion um, aside from a couple of lines the obvious ones okay so uh, so that's it that's it about wraps us up for uh, best outlaw biker film I think we've done it I think we've done it yep done the subject justice <laughs> 
Um, so uh, yeah, so let us know what you think. Uh, if you agreed with myself or, or Tarquin, I'll be putting the polls up um, on Twitter. And, but as I say, that about wraps it up. Uh, Tarquin, is there anything that you'd like to, to, to plug or anything uh, you'd like to let the listeners know how they can get in touch with you or, or see anything that you're doing at the moment? Um, no, back, back, you dogs. But um, if there are <laughs> any um, outlaw bikers in the South London area, um, I'd very much like to purchase some marijuana. Um, so get in touch, please. <laughs> I'll have to put a disclaimer in there. <laughs> Drugs are bad. <laughs> Just say no, kids. Um, Send them to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. On the analytics on uh, on the the podcast platform, I use the. We've only had one one uh, percent under on the age of twenty three listening. So. Uh, be right now, yeah. You should be all right. Yeah. <laughs> okay so uh, that about uh, wraps us up and it just leaves me to say goodbye and Tarquin to say the word mother is fuzz <laughs> <laughs>